Good morning. Have a seat. Kids, you can be dismissed to go back to Sunday school. Let me, uh, as they walk back, let me, let me pray for them, if I could. God, I thank you this morning for children. I thank you that this room is filled with children, and I thank you for the wonderful blessing that they are, and the beautiful illustration of wonder and excitement as they scurry out of this room and make noise and run back there, Father, and God, you are a beautiful God, and you've given us so many glimpses of who you are and who we are in you, Father, and your son Jesus has proclaimed that we are to be like little children, Father, and I thank you for the picture of you and the picture of our relationship with you that they are, Father. I pray now for them as they um, go to their class. I pray for their teachers that they would proclaim the gospel to little hearts and your gospel would be planted in them and they would become servants of you who are on mission to plant the gospel around their areas, Father, even in, as four, five, and six-year-olds, Father, and older. God, I thank you so much for the kids of this church, and I thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Uh, so we're going to be all over this morning at, at Scripture, and I want, Joe, can you throw up that, that last slide from that last song? Um, I was forgot how much I like that song. Uh, there we go. Part of, the, uh, part of the point of singing songs is to attach biblical theological truth to a melody so that it can stay in our brains and we can convince ourselves of what we're singing and it can stay with us. And here's a little trick. I don't know if you know this or not. Jeff, I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to let this out of the bag, but Jeff always like the end of the sermon, like we're done, we're ready to go. I say, have a good week. Jeff's going to play a melody, and that melody is from one of the songs that we just sang, and the intent is for the lyrics of that song to reverberate in your brain as you leave here. Um, And so there's nothing better for you to remember to go through this week than what's on the screen right now. Um, We are more than conquerors through Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ. You know, like a conqueror... You're more than that through Christ. That's, that's like, let's go, let's go do this, right? And, and I, I love that we will not bow to sin or to shame. We are defiant in your name. I'm defiant to the shame that this world wants to place on me because of Christ. And that's, a, that's beautiful. And so when you're singing songs to Jesus, we're worshiping, but we're also convincing ourselves of, of biblical and theological truth, um, attaching it to a melody so it will stay in our brains better, uh, and nothing better than this one. Um, so we're in the, the second week this morning of our series, Not Your Own, and the idea is, is God has given us so many things uh, as gifts that we are to steward and give back to him, or we are to steward to use to plant in this world. Um, and as Dave and I were praying and thinking through the different topics that we would cover, one of them was privilege. We have, uh, Dave read from the New Living Translation uh, out of Romans 5, where it talks about our privilege this morning already. 
but I, I think that privilege is a word that we've heard a lot lately, uh, given the context of our community and our society and what's going on. Privilege is something we've heard a lot. But the fact of the matter is, as, as I've been thinking, there's not much greater privilege than to have Christ. Um, I, I had a, a couple of friends, I sent a, a bunch of texts out this week, asking people to define privilege. And this is the best definition that came back to me. Uh, a friend said this, privilege are opportunities provided to us beyond our ability to provide on our own. So privilege are opportunities beyond our ability to provide on our own. And then think back to what I just said about the More Than Conqueror song. I'm defiant of sin and shame because of Christ. I'm more than conqueror because of Christ. Everything that you have, everything that we proclaimed in that song is yours through nothing of your doing. There's nothing that you've done that will allow you to stand and truthfully pro- proclaim that I'm more than a conqueror. And, and that's the very definition of privilege. What Christ has given to us is the very definition of, of privilege. So what I want us to begin to think about this morning for the rest of the time we're together is, okay, we have this privilege. Let's quantify and, and define what that privilege is. And then let's use that understanding that's not ours to plant the gospel in our, in our hearts, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our culture, in our city, everywhere. Let's plant that privilege that we've been given. Um, we're going to show several clips this morning from a movie called Les Miserables. And let me, there's, there's a lot of you guys that like have issues with um, uh, musicals. This is a musical, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's ironic. Jeff and I were talking about this. He's a worship, he, like he's musical and he doesn't like musicals. That doesn't make any sense to me. So Jeff's one that doesn't like musicals. Like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, why can't you just speak it? Why do you have to sing it? It doesn't make any sense. Um, for those of you who love musicals, I'm sorry. Um, but we're going to show a few clips from this movie. And, and the, the idea is it paints this picture perfectly. Um, we're going to see Jean Valjean, the main character of Les Miserables, and, and see him in, in three different settings this morning. And the first one is he's in prison, and he's been in prison for 19 years, and he's about to get released. Uh, and so, Joe, hit that, hit that first clip.
clip right there because it, it summarizes exactly the, the point of this is there's, there's an enemy that we have in this world and he's angry at us and he's trying to convince us of a different identity than we actually have. The, the, the guard there is, is screaming at him, you are prisoner 24601 and this, this badge will be your shame forever. And he says, no, I'm Jean Valjean. And so there, the argument is who he is, his, his identity of, of who he is. Um, and one of the things that the, the very first lyric of the song that they sing is, look down, look down, you'll always be a slave. Look down, look down, you're standing in your grave. Um, Pre-Christ, that is truth of who we are. Pre-privilege, that's truth of who we are. Look down, look around you. You're always going to be a slave. We're a slave to sin. We're a slave to, to this world. We're a slave to the enemy. We're slaves. And, and the, the beautiful part about that scene is, is I don't know if you, you caught it, but as he's picking up the, the, the pole with the flag, he's, he's bound by chains. He, he can't move his arms more than about this far apart because of the chains that are there. And he's got this big, thick iron around his neck. He is... They tell him who he is. They tell him where he can go and where he cannot go. And this is us, pre-privilege. I want us to, to connect with our predicament before Christ. Um, Ephesians 1, 8, 1, 18 says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? I want you to think about, the word inheritance is, is throughout scripture. It, and when it's talking about what we have in God, what we have in Christ, we have an inheritance. And I want you to think about what the word inheritance means. You have nothing that you've earned. If I inherit something, it's because someone genealogically above me has given it to me inheritance and and christ or paul in ephesians calls what we have in christ our inheritance it's it means literally given to one as a possession your inheritance is is something that's given to you as a possession um more about this identity from jean valjean more about his his brokenness and his predicament that he's in as he leaves prison joe hit that next one man, he will be on parole forever. 
Failure to report means immediate arrest. Be in Pontalier in 30 days. Follow him. Let me see your papers. You should have your papers. Slip in the stable, please. I'm hungry. Get out. So Valjean is tormented and, and miserable. He's one of the miserables referred to in Les Miserables. And, it's, and, and he's, he's broken. He's without hope. He's without purpose. He's without dignity. He's, he's miserable. And, and he's sleeping in an alley because they won't let him sleep in a stable. He's had rocks thrown at him by children. And everywhere that he goes, he has to take these papers with him that tell everyone who he is. He is a dangerous man. And this is who he's become. Uh, Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Remember, privilege, opportunities provided us beyond our ability to provide for our on our own. This is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. What we have in Christ is grace given to us for which we do not deserve so that we could point to Christ. It is the definition of privilege. Your salvation gets to the heart of the idea of privilege. And what I want to see, the, the point of showing these videos, the point of, of the sermon is to get us to see the predicament that we are in apart from Christ. But not just that, to get us to see the glory that we're in because of Christ. And then to use the predicament and the glory to come together to change who we are and how we act in this world. You with me? Last clip. Go ahead and, and show it, Joe.
We caught this man red-handed. You the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, Elisa, this man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. Seal this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. I wanted to end with that last, those last words. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the picture of Christ. It's the picture of his grace and his mercy. In, in the middle of an awful act, this guy brought, this priest, brought a man, a, a, a wretched, awful gross man into his home and fed him and clothed him and gave to him and he stole from him and in the middle of that theft he says no I give you more and I give you my grace and I give you my mercy and he says use this gift that I've given to you to become an honest man and and the rest of the movie is about Valjean going and using that and and that's the picture of the message that God has for us today. We have to see all that we are and all that we have in Christ is something that we absolutely do not deserve and absolutely cannot attain for ourselves. And if we rightly see our predicament and rightly see the wonderful gift that grace and mercy are, we have to be changed. We have to be changed. It's not a choice that we make. It's something that's done to us. We have to be changed. So the verse that appears, you, you may have memorized Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but rarely or infrequently do we proceed on to verse 10 that says this, we are his workmanship. Okay, you already talked about we are We've been saved by grace through faith. We can't do it ourselves so that no one can boast. And the product of that is us as God's workmanship. Think about the beauty of that. Valjean in, in our movie becomes the workmanship of this priest. The grace and mercy that's in him that he bestows on the world when he leaves there is the result of what this guy has done in him. And so if we see our predicament and we see what Christ has done, we become the workmanship. We become crafted by who God is. So that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In an instant, in that moment, on his knees, in that foyer, Valjean becomes changed because of the grace and mercy that's shown to him, because of the truth of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We are his workmanship. And this word workmanship, I've said this before, but the word workmanship is the same Greek word that's translated elsewhere as poetry. 
You are, you are, look, look at me. Let, me. let me say this to you. You are the poetry of God. You are the poetry of God. And what that means is that all that is God, all that, that makes up the essence of who he is, that comes out of him, he intends to pour into you, to become his passion, his love, his hope, his grace, his mercy. God has poured it out of him and into you. And Paul says this after he just goes through the idea of our predicament and, and his glory and his joy and all of that is poured into you for a purpose. And that purpose is that you would use it to do good things. Your privilege has a purpose, and that purpose is to use it to do good things. Luke 10, 27. I'm going to want to underline this idea that your privilege has a purpose to use it to do good things, because it's all throughout Scripture. I could spend the next three and a half hours highlighting passages where this idea comes. But I'll just do a few. Starting with Luke 10, 27, it says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and, with your, and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. I want to focus in on that last phrase. He's talking about what the law says. This guy is repeating him. We'll, we'll study the whole thing in a minute. But I want to zero in on this last phrase. We are to love our neighbors as Ourself, And this is what it means to steward our privilege. This word, as. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, John Piper writes this in regard to this verse. Self-interest in and of itself is good. To hunger food is not evil. To want to be warm in winter is not evil. To want to be healthy during a plague is not evil. To want to be liked by others is not evil. To want your life to count in some significant way is not evil. This is a defining human trait before the fall of man and is not evil in itself. One of the things that, that I rarely see when I read this, we all know that the two commandments, love the Lord your God and, and love the neighbor as yourself, one of the things that I rarely see, and, and probably most of us rarely see, is God, Jesus, saying it's okay to love yourself. And, and ultimately, what, what Piper's kind of laid out here is, is that like, we're encouraged to love ourselves. And it's, it's natural for us to love ourselves, right? And, and it's that love of self, that that instinct to self-preserve is what we're commanded to do to others. Let's, let's read this in its context. Uh, starting in verse 25. Luke 10. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And then verse 27, the one we just read. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
So what does this look like to love your neighbor as yourself? Who is your neighbor? How does, what does that look like? And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, desiring to, to not live in privilege, but instead earn his salvation, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. He says, a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jer- from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan who was racially not supposed to engage this man. They were taught from birth to separate from one another. It was a deep-seated, rooted anger and hatred for one another. The Samaritan, not the religious people, the Levite and the priest, the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him and had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. This is loving as he would love himself. If, if the Samaritan were hurt, he would use his resources to nurse himself back to health. He would pay people to nurse himself back to health. He would, he would do immediate procedures on himself to heal himself. This is loving as himself. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whenever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Show mercy. God, this is what I, what I need us to see. What I need me to see. Everything of any value or significance was given to me. Anything that, that you might consider to be in my possession was given to me by God for a purpose. And that purpose is to show mercy on this planet and draw attention to the glorious giver of this gift. And I, I need us to see that. This is what it means to steward our privilege. Everything that you have, it's of any value or significance. God decided it was a good idea to give it to you. And what this verse, this story is commanding to you is to say, get you to understand that what you have is not yours. And isn't given to you so that you could have a good time or, or a better life. It's given to you to give back to him. To show mercy as mercy has been shown to you. To give out of your abundance to, into someone else's lack. This is the point of stewarding what God has given to us. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to see it again. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. 
Philippians chapter 2, very familiar verses, starting in verse 3. He's talking about connecting with Christ. Again, Paul is writing here. It says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Like, a lot of times Scripture is really confusing. Um, and I've, I've, I spend time laboring over Scripture to, to try and figure out what it's meaning for my own heart and, and to, to edify you guys and all that stuff. But this is, like, there's a phrase here that's, that's so simple. And it's the point of, of the sermon. Count others more significant than yourself. Count others more significant than yourself. Is that confusing to anybody? It's very simple. And, and that idea is what I've been harping on since I started, stood up here and started talking. Count people more significant than yourself. Look at the priests in our story. What would you have done in that situation? I would have found the dude in the alley and been a little like, wait a second. Or if he's, if he's like scarfing his food together, I would have probably gathered the, the, the maids together and said, okay, let's just let him eat and let, okay, let's see if we can quietly get him out of here. Or when he comes back having stolen all my stuff, yeah, throw him back in prison. That's, that's where that guy deserves to be. But grace and mercy attack this man so that he can show grace and mercy. Count others more significant than yourself. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The language there is saying, this is a possession that you have because Jesus gave it to you. I need you to hear that again. This is a possession that you have because Jesus gave it to you. Who though in the form of who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How far are you willing to go to give away your privilege? If you're really paying attention, that ought to slap you in the face. It slaps me in the face. Because we are self-centered, broken creatures. More examples of this same idea throughout Scripture. Ephesians 4.1 I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. The Greek word, or the, the word for worthy is the Greek word axios. I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner axios of the calling to which you have been called. And this word axios means of equal weight. And the idea is a scale, measurements of a scale. You put heavy stuff here, it goes like this, all right? The idea of axios, worthy, is to equal weight so that the scale is even. So he's calling us to walk in a manner of equal weight to the calling. Show grace 
as you have been shown grace. Show mercy as you have been shown mercy. Give as you have been given to. This is, my mind reels when I think of this verse. Because, one, I'm thoroughly incapable of of this. And when I find a place in Scripture where I'm thoroughly incapable of doing what it's calling me to do, my response is one of two things. One, close the Bible, move along, think of something different. Ignore it, change my mind. Or it's, God, I need your help to be who you're calling me to be. It's the gospel. It's throwing myself on his mercy, which is crazy. I'm talking about trying to show mercy and being capable of it and asking God to give me more mercy. But that's the point of all of this. We are called to live a life worthy that we're not able to do, which sends us to the cross, which sends us to to grace and mercy. And so it just becomes this, this awesome cycle of God give me more grace so that I can give it away. God give me more mercy so that I can give it away. Do you, do you see this? He, he then calls us in the middle of that. What does it mean to walk in this manner worthy? It says, be humble, live with humility, live with gentleness, live with patience, bear with one another in love. Like this is really hard. Stuff that I read in the newspaper makes me angry. The last thing I want to do is to bear with that guy in love or be patient with him. But it's what we've been called to do because it's what's been given to us. Think back to the scene in Les Miserables with with Jean Valjean on his knees at the mercy of this priest who can send him back to prison. And in that defining moment of grace, He is changed in an instant. This is the cross. This is grace. This is our Savior. Ephesians 5, 2. Later on, same book, next chapter, Paul writes, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering offering and sacrifice to God. Two things to see out of that verse. First, it's the same old thing. We're to walk in love, operate, live, breathe, do in this world. That's walk. We're to walk in love as Christ. You follow that? What Christ did, you are supposed to go and do. As Christ loved, you are supposed to go and loved and love. Because we are God's workmanship, we've been changed, we have been created to do this, to do good things. Because of all that, that's what I've been saying for, for the last 20 minutes. But after the comma is the addition, what this, this verse brings new to the table. It is a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's the thing that I, I don't... I have a hard time coming to grips with because I know the sin in my heart. I know the, 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 who I am to think that I would have anything to give to God. And it's sacrifice. It's denying myself. And here's what I, I, I need us to hear. When we do this, we are blowing a fragrant aroma into the, into the nostrils of our God. 
God is pleased with you. Do you hear that? This is massive. This will change our lives and better still change our culture's lives, people's lives. And God is pleased. Do you, I mean, like, do you want to please God? I didn't really mean for that to be rhetorical. Do you want to please God? Here it is. Here it is. The, the last verse I want to leave us with is, is becoming my favorite. Um, Ephesians 5, 21. It's, it's part of a really long sentence, and it, it, it needs some context at times, but I don't want to give it the context because I want to just zero in on the truth of what it is. Ephesians 5, 21. It's talking about relationships and what Christ has done, and, and following verse 5, 21, it talks about marriage and other relationships within a church and all that stuff, but what it says is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the sermon in a sentence, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. But let's attack this just a little bit. Submitting here is the Greek word hupotasso, which means to willingly place yourself under. Willingly place yourself under. So the call in every relationship that you've ever encountered is to willingly place yourself under in that relationship. So that's the first part, submitting to one another, hupotasso. The second part is out of reverence for Christ. And this takes a little bit of theological training to understand, to draw out what this means out of reverence for Christ. And ultimately what it means is I have seen and acknowledged and been changed by what Christ did and who he was and what he accomplished. That's what it means out of reverence for Christ. Basically, because of what Jesus has done and who he is and where he is and what he's doing now, all of those things, because of Christ, the, if we could encapsulate Christ with who he is, what he is, and what he's doing, and what he did, and all those things, because of those facts, I will submit myself to people because it's what Jesus did. This is what it means to steward your privilege is found here in Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting, willingly place yourself under because we have beheld Christ. Let's, uh, let's pray, and I want to give us some time to sit and think and consider and allow the Spirit to dwell in us, because this is like he, here's the danger for this message. We have encountered Christ. We have seen what He's done, and we have seen the call on Him to change us. And and it's like I don't want this to be like a typical let's stand and sing a couple of songs and then shake each other's hands and move these tables around and these chairs and let's let's okay it's now Sunday afternoon. Let's go have our Sunday afternoon. What time's the basketball game start? Because, like, this is way too important. God has given to us 
for a purpose, and that purpose is to go and serve people. Like we like our inclination is to serve ourselves. God's call us to serve like that. And if we fail, what, what's, the, what's the point of even waking up and coming here this morning? God is, is laid before you a very clear presentation of what he wants from you. All right, so what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Let's pray and ask the Spirit to answer that question for us. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. God, may we live our lives in reverence of all that you are. God, may we live our lives in reverence for all that you are. I thank you for grace. I thank you for mercy. I thank you for hope and life and love. I thank you for my bride. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my children. I thank you for my home and my car and a warm house. I thank you for all of those things. God, I pray that your spirit would come and dwell with us, Father, and teach us what it is that you want us to do with all of those things so that your kingdom might be advanced, so that your glory might be known, so that your grace and mercy might be received. God, we love you, and we give you this time. Please change us. Thank you for the privilege of your son, Jesus Christ. God, and as we enter this holy week, as we'll we'll hear on the radio and, and, and gather on Good Friday and all of those things, we'll think and talk and, and see your death. May we see your resurrection in all the grace that's there and the sacrifice that's there so that we might know you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray.